This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 171. We're going to jump right into it, because why not? Right? Why not? Why, Why not? not? Let's do something Why different. The heck not. Take I do want to say people who don't don't want to hear us preamble. I do want to say that um, I we're not live streaming this one, but the reason why is because Michael is jealous of my mustache. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. I can't look. I can't look at the camera. I can't oh look at the my screen. gosh! I'm That's great. I I had my beard was getting really long, and two people said something about it, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make you even more uncomfortable and shave it into a freedom stash. <laughs> so on July 4th, I went to a party in the evening with a mustache and uh, it was hilarious. It was good times. Everybody was shocked and I still haven't gotten rid of it. It's been a week. And I found out the next day, the day after when I went back to work, there was another guy who'd done the same thing. He had shaved off his beard for a freedom stash and we were just having a great old time with it. So we're committed to doing it till the end of July. I don't know if it's actually going to happen because my wife was like, it's not funny anymore, Jake. Just take it off, please. It's terrible. And my kids say the same thing. The only the only one who likes it is my 11-year-old. But my girls are like, Daddy, that's terrible. They literally wouldn't even, for the first two days, they wouldn't even let me get close to them. It was pretty hilarious. Is it? But now, now when you go and clean the pool, you can run out and say, I'm here to clean the pool. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's like, oh, of course. That makes sense. That makes sense. He's got a mustache. <laughs> And uh, I'm wearing these uh, jean cutoff shorts and NASCAR shirts. Jorts. And, Jorts. Yep. Yep. It's good times. It's good times. No hate to anybody who likes NASCAR and jean cutoff shorts and mustaches. I, I tend to like the mustache mm. myself. We'll see how long it lasts. Anyway, I'll make sure to post a photo. It'll, it's kind of funny. Hey, uh, at the top of the show, uh, we also want to shout out Honey Badger. Honey Badger is also freaking awesome, just like mustaches. And they are error tracking for your Laravel project. They do a really great job. And uh, they're sponsoring the show today. So thanks again, Honey Badger. Okay, we don't have any Laravel releases in our show notes for this week. As That's what I'm seeing. However, we do have an announcement about uh, the front-end asset bundler for Laravel applications. So previously, up to this point, it has been Webpack. And we've used Laravel Mix. Thank you so much, Jeffrey Way, for making compiling front-end assets such a breeze. Not to be confused with Laravel Breeze, but Laravel Mix has been the thing that we've used. But the Laravel team has been working hard on a Vite integration for Laravel. Now, uh, for those of you who have called it Vite, myself included, uh, don't feel bad. It's like a French thing, apparently. And it is Vite. A V-I-T-E. So the team has been working hard on a Vite integration for Laravel. And as of this week, that's July, uh, sorry, that's June 29th, Vite is now the default front-end asset bundler in new Laravel projects with updates to Breeze and Jetstream as well. So Taylor uh, shared on Twitter the easiest way to get set up with a new project if you want to get a demo of how fast Vite bundles your assets. So he just does a little uh, five or six uh, lines of command line here, set up a new Laravel install and then uh, get in there composer require level laravel breeze install breeze view and then uh, npm install and npm run dev and there you go using laravel breeze is the le- is a recommended way to get started with the v is it provides front end and back end authentication scaffolding and tools such as a tailwind inertia vite i'm oh, sorry vite see i did it there again 
And so just there's a little tutorial there uh, in the blog post to talk about how exactly to get started. So the main app.blade.php layout, instead of having an app mix directive, but that will be supported, that will continue to be supported, now has an app vite directive, and it will render the following HTML during development, which will be a little script tag, which has a module, and then it links to your app.js. So as you make changes to your view files, it it does hot reloading for you. And so a couple of things to note there, if you npm run dev, previously that would just compile your assets and then stop. Uh, npm run dev is essentially equivalent to npm run watch, what you would previously have done with npm run watch. And if you want to sort of just build your assets and get done with it, it's just npm run build, I think is what it is, right? And that'll Mm -hmm. just kind of build your assets for you and then stop. Uh, But if you are npm run dev, it's going to go ahead and listen for changes and do some uh, hot module replacement. Uh, which provides near instantaneous build times during development. It is really, really fast. True, It's true. So uh, Paul Redmond, everyone's favorite human, gives some kudos here. He says, these updates are super, super fast. Uh, I couldn't believe how quickly quick they were at first. But it helps you to get into a productive flow as you make front-end changes, which is very true. It's nice to not have to refresh. It's just lightning fast, works great. So you'll see updates automatically happen in the browser while you work, which is a really, really great experience. They've also got, along with the Vite update, the docs, uh, which have a new front-end documentation page, which gives you a complete overview of all your front-end options with Laravel applications. So big step forward. Um, There's been kind of some people on... There's been some people who have had some thoughts about it. Um, We talked about a little bit on our other show, North Meets South. We talked about a little bit last week with Jason McCurry. Uh, So if you want to hear some thoughts about some of that stuff, um, you could head over there to listen to that episode too. But congrats, Laravel team. Nice job. And uh, love that Taylor and the team are always pushing things forward. Uh, sometimes it can be a little bit uncomfortable, but growth usually is, right? So <laughs> like that growth on your face. <laughs> yep. Like, the, well, that wasn't uncomfortable though. That was, that was it's uncomfortable for the rest of us. <laughs> yep. Well, you know what? It's, it's growth for you then. A little bit <laughs> uncomfortable for you. You're going to learn to love me with the mustache. It'll be okay. <laughs> oh my. All right. What's next? It's amazing, though. It's amazing that in you know our tenth year of Laravel that we're still seeing mm-hmm. these kind of improvements. And on the on totally. the note of uh, the tenth year of Laravel, the State of Laravel survey is out again today. Laravel is the most popular PHP framework used by thousands of developers, and the mm-hmm. ecosystem around Laravel is huge with new trends such as using V constantly popping up. So the State of Laravel is a survey that attempts to gain insight into the representation of this outstanding community's diverse technologies and behaviors. This project is a community-led effort headed up by Tobias Petrie, and it aims to collect information on the state of the Laravel community by running a survey. It's an effort to gain insights into what we as a community are doing so that we might understand where we are. It's not something that's backed by you know any corporations. It's not, you know, it's not run by Laravel or anything like that. It's not something that uses your data to, to you know, we're not selling that data or anything like that. It's just a simple way for Tobias and the team to um, gather some insights into the Laravel community to understand where we are and how we might be able to move forward. So I won't go into the details here, but it's talking about um, some of the insights that it's gained from previous surveys in terms of years of experience of the developers that are using Laravel um, compared to their Laravel experience, talking about PHP versions that are being used. PHP 7.4 is still highly represented, at least at the time of you know, this previous survey. So I think that shift towards eight will have will have moved a little bit more as well. Looks at primary code editor, primary operating system. It's a fairly even split, believe it or not, between Mac and Windows and Linux. 
So that is, I was surprised by that actually. Yeah. So if uh, if you want to help contribute to the the data, um, it's it's anonymous, so you can put your details in there and 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 you know get some interesting data points out of it at the end of it. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes. But it's just stateoflaravel.com. Uh, so thanks to Tobias and the team behind that. Hopefully we'll have some interesting data in this year, our tenth year of Laravel, or is indeed, this our? Well, I guess this is now our eleventh year of Laravel, isn't it? Mm, yeah, I don't know. I don't. We celebrate. We celebrated the tenth anniversary, so I guess this is now year eleven that we're in. There we go. We're now in year eleven. Okay. Onto packages, my friends. Hey, have you ever wanted to deploy something, but it wasn't quite ready? And you're like, oh, man, I wish I could just kind of push this code. It's a Thursday. I don't want to ship on Friday, but I don't want this PR sitting out there all weekend. And then Dependabot come in and screw up all my stuff. So I just want to push this thing, but I can't yet. It's really close. It's not going to break anything, but I can't do it. Introducing testing and feature flag package. So, Michael, you and I talked about this a little bit a couple of weeks ago, actually, again, on our other show. And we were just talking about how often to ship and how to basically keep your review times down. Right. And what we talked about is not shipping massive PRs. Right. Instead, mm-hmm. really trying to. And in some some people, they say, nope, we're going to ship the code we wrote at the end of the day every day. Right. And so they just get to a point where it's like, OK, we can cut it off here and we're going to call it good. And this test package essentially allows you to set up A-B tests and feature flags in a Laravel app. There are a bunch of these. There really are a bunch of these. But Paul Redmond, everyone's favorite human, recommended this one. And so we're going to talk about it here. So the package uses the self-hosted A-B router service. It also has a paid option, by the way. And this powers the A-B and feature flag settings. They give an example controller that you can use uh, when you have this package installed to use A-B tests to, or sorry, to use A-B test UI features, in this case, a button color. So in this case, we have a controller and it is a invocable controller. So a single action controller. They're sending through to the view, a button color, arrow, get branch ID. And so what this does is this, that button color is really a class called uh, client, which is uh, just the A-B router client. And then experiments. So you say, here is one of the experiments that I've created. And then you pass it a run command. And then you pass in the user ID. And you pass in the name of the experiment that you're wanting to do. Which in this case, the experiment was named button color. And so what this will do is this will provide for you uh, what button they got, right? And it'll provide some tracking. The whole point of a A-B test is to s- essentially allow you to be able to see which one of these things is more effective, right? So if you said, I have a blue checkout button on my page and I have a green checkout button on my page, which one of these is actually more effective? That's why they're calling it an experiment. And that's also why they have a user ID associated there. Um, so that's the A-B test side of things. So they also have feature flags, which help you roll out experimental or new features to customers incrementally, uh, which you can do that by toggling on or off a flag without a code redeploy. So you don't have to go through the whole CI process again. You just uh, do this really simply. And so what you do is, again, you call the client. And then instead of arrow experiments this time, you say arrow feature flags. And then again, arrow run. And then the name of the feature flag that you're going to be toggling. In this case, it's enabled button feature flag. Um, And so in this case, you just pass that through to the front end. And whether you have that enabled or not, which I'm assuming is being handled through the database, uh, something like that, where you have a set of feature flags, we're just going to toggle them on or off. uh, And there you can then 
set that up, say, yes, this is enabled or no, it's not enabled. Passing that through allows you to be able to display that incrementally to your users. Okay, so you need to set up the AB router service to use this package and you can learn more about it from the AB router docs. There we go. Absolutely. AB testing is always good, you know, trying to get that new stuff out. I've literally never done it. Never Never. done it. I've I've never never done it. Conceptually, it's fine. Like usually we don't... I've never been in organizations big enough where we where we've wanted to test things. It's always been like, this is what we're going to do. And then that's kind of just the thing because you've got this mountain of work. So you do the thing and then you move on to the next thing. So I like the idea behind it because then you can say like when there's differences of opinion between, you know, A and B, as it were, you know, you can try both and do a subset between different. Uh, I think um, James Brooks built Get Mango, is it Get Mango, Use Mango, Happy Mango, something Mango. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Which is okay. like this this um, this notion of A/B testing as well, and it's kind of like we're going to show a green button to one person and a red button to another person and see which stands out more, which gets clicked more, it's, or it's you know slight differences of wording. If you're trying to work through SEO or you're trying to work through you know which is more likely to be clicked on or used or read or whatever, um, the, the, you know it, it could be tiny little things. It doesn't have to be like some people do complete you know rebrands of their homepage and A-B test that way. Some people are just trying different text out for, you know, different subsets of the users. So it's it's certainly an interesting approach, one that I've never really had to use because most of the stuff that I do is, you know, internal applications. So we don't don't have a lot of that external feedback that we need to deal with, but it's mm-hmm. certainly an interesting approach. So check that out. Uh, next up, we have a package for onboarding, onboarding users in Laravel apps called Laravel Onboard. It is a package from our friends at Sparsi. And this is to help track user onboarding steps. So Caleb, Caleb Horsey actually made the first version of this that, that Spicy maintains, and they've done some work, uh, thanks to Riaz, in terms of polishing on it. So this allows you to set a, a set of steps during an onboarding process that you can put into a, an onboarding, uh, you can put it into the boot method of a service provider, for example, and specify the, the steps that need to be taken in order to onboard a user. Um, so rather than giving your users a giant form to to complete, you can do it in a multi-step kind of process where they you're giving them bite-sized forms to fill out. You know, what's your name? What's your email address? What's your password? Um, that kind of stuff. You know, and then and then lead them into your your application. You know, once their their account's created, you could take them into for a blog. You could say, go and create your first post or create my first project or whatever else, depending on your thing. Um, the package also supports features as conditionally excluding steps with custom logic, defining custom attributes on a step using middleware to ensure user completes onboarding before they are allowed to use certain other features in your application and more. You can get started with this package by checking out GitHub. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Yeah, I want to see kind of how that works. I want to see an example of this. I get the idea. And um, it seems almost like a wizard, right? Yeah, but basically. just one that's strictly for onboarding. Strictly for onboarding, yeah. I know that they I know that you know Freak had been working on a wizard. I know that no, not not Freak. Um Philo has been doing some work with like the multi-step wizard and that kind of stuff in Livewire. So I think this mm-hmm. is just like as you say, it's a very focused, you know, specific use case for for that wizard. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Uh next we have fast paginate for Laravel. So Aaron Francis, who is now working over at the team uh, at Tuple, uh, is still doing some of his sort of fun Laravel-y stuff. Uh, Hammerstone Dev, I think is the other name that they have for their from some of some of his other stuff. Mm-hmm. But he just can't stay away. Can't stay away from Laravel, right? He loves it way too much, and so do we. 
so I can't blame him. But Laravel Fast Paginate is a fast implementation of offset limit pagination for Laravel. Also, Aaron Francis is like the best kind of nerd, which is he he does things like print off documentation for MySQL, like so and bound it. Did you see this <laughs> on Twitter? He put this up there the other day. Apparently, he was wanting to like read it, and maybe maybe he was away from his computer or something, so he like printed, laminated, and bound like some of the different of sections of like of MySQL documentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course he did, and so. I think he's really into the whole MySQL thing. And he's also got another package about like fast joins or something like that. But anyway, uh, in this case, uh, what he's done is he's released the first version of this new package for Laravel, Fast Paginate, which provides you with a more efficient way of paginating while still using the traditional offset limit method. So how does it work? The way that it works is instead of calling paginate, all you do, here's the big change, you call fast paginate so traditional built-in pagination you call model colon colon query you get all your stuff and then arrow paginate now all you do is model colon colon query arrow fast paginate right um and also relationships are supported as well so you could say user first uh, and then grab their posts arrow posts and then fast paginate right so you can do that uh you don't have to um you don't, it doesn't only work on a single model. It can work on relationships uh, that belong to models as well. Um, if you'd like to learn about the, like, the techniques that he's using in this package, um, the other package that he created is efficient pagination using deferred uh, joins. And actually, sorry, I don't think it's a package. It's no, article. sorry. Blog post. My mm-hmm. mistake. I'm sorry. It's a blog post where he talks about efficient pagination using deferred joins. And this is from January 17th of this year. Talks a little about offset and limit pagination cursor-based pagination, and then offset limit with deferred joins, uh, as well as how he implemented it in Laravel. Mm -hmm. So good stuff, good stuff. And if you're interested, you should definitely check out the package. So thank you, Aaron. Yeah, I mean, the thing that you might encounter with using the default paginator, especially as you start getting to bigger field sets, is like execution timeouts and things like that. So, you know, the code that you write is obviously going to have errors in it even if it's written by an amazing developer such as yourself and when those errors do happen it's nice to know that honey badger has your back honey badger makes you a devops hero by combining error uptime and check-in monitoring into a single easy to use platform and they'll send you alerts in real time with all the context needed to know what's causing your errors it was slow database queries and where they're hiding so you can quickly fix it and get on with your day and the included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. So you can go to honeybadger.io and discover how Star, Josh, and Ben created a 100% bootstrapped monitoring solution, which is super important because as a self-funded business, they answer only to you, the developer, rather than venture capital, profit-seeking, profit-hungry overlords. You can check them out again, as I said, honeybadger.io. Thanks for the team for sponsoring Laravel News. Indeed, indeed. We've got another package here, which allows you to encrypt and decrypt eloquent model fields in Laravel apps. So the Laravel Cypher Suite package is by Spassi, and it allows you to integrate searchable field-level encryption in Laravel mm-hmm. applications. Now, I'm just going to talk for a second here before I read the rest of this tutorial. I believe that we can already do some of this with casting. I feel like JMac had some part in some of this. But you can use Laravel has a default encrypt and decrypt that you can do that's provided mm-hmm. with the framework, right? It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's how we encrypt cookies, all of that stuff. It's using encrypt and decrypt behind the scenes. Now, 
I believe that there is a way to do that. I don't remember exactly how that works, but I think in your casts property for a model, you can say that it is an encrypted value. And what that will do then is it will encrypt it when it's getting put into the database. It'll decrypt it when it is coming out of the database. And I'm wondering what the difference is here, but in the description, it says it's integrating searchable field level encryption in Laravel applications, because here is the difficult part. When you encrypt a field, it become, you can still decrypt it and get it back. But how do you search across those fields? Because you'd mm-hmm. have to decrypt every single one of those fields in order to be able to search them. So I'm not sure if this solves that problem. I don't know. Let's, le- let's look together and find out. So the package readme explains the problem Cypher Suite can help solve as follows. In your project, you might store sensitive personal data in your database. Should an unauthorized person get access to your database, all that sensitive data can be read, which is obviously not good. So to solve the problem, you encrypt that personal data. This way, unauthorized persons cannot read it. But your application can still decrypt it when you need to display or work with the data. Key phrase here, or work with the data, maybe. Otherwise, I don't know what this is doing different than what Laravel does. This package is a wrapper for the Cypher Suite, uh, for Cypher Suite, which is apparently another package, to integrate its features into Laravel models easily. Here's an example of a model from the README setup instructions that illustrates what a model using Cypher Suite might look like. So you just implement Cypher Suite encrypted, you use uses Cypher Suite trait, and then you can configure it in a public static function called configure Cypher Suite. Okay, so this allows you to, so what it does is it adds a blind index. That's that's the interesting part, I think, here. It allows you to encrypt the user's email to keep it safe from unauthorized people reading the data, but, to, but gives you the ability to decrypt the data to display it or work with it. Come on, get to the good part here. Okay, here it is. Once you've configured this package and set up a model, you can search encrypted data in the database using those blind indexes. That's the key, right? That's the difference here mm-hmm. is that you can set up an additional index, which will allow you to search across them without exposing that data, you know, in, in the case that somebody was to compromise your database credentials. Right. The package also aids in generating encrypting keys and encrypting model attributes to speed up integration with Cypher Suite. So what, he, what, what Paul gives us a little bit of a warning here is <laughs> pointing out, you shouldn't just use this package blindly without understanding kind of what the ins and outs are of the case you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can read more about Cypher Suite on this page. The reason why you might not want to do that is because if you encrypt data and you change your app key or depending on like if you have to change your key or whatever, if you, or if you lose it, you're sort of screwed because you can't really go backwards. So right. it's really important that when you're encrypting stuff, you understand sort of the risks that are associated. Hopefully you would understand the risks that are associated if you're going to be encrypting stuff anyway, because you understand the risks of not encrypting it, right? Mm-hmm. If you're just storing people's information out there and you're not comfortable with it and you're wanting to encrypt it, you should know all that stuff. Okay, so they also have a PHP-specific documentation to help you get up to speed with the underlying PHP package. And there's also a post uh, which talks about encrypting Laravel eloquent models with Cypher Suite that he says is also a good read. So if you need to encrypt your data, but you've had this problem where, okay, I've encrypted it, but I can't now search it. This is your ticket. This is how you would do that. So really cool stuff, actually. I've needed this and I did not know that there was a solution for it. So super sweet. Thank you, Spassi. And thank you, Cypher Suite for writing that one up. Yeah, so I am 99% sure that this is done. So Paragon Initiative Enterprises, which is headed up by Scott Artyshevsky, who is a longtime member of the PHP community. He's he's runs his own like security firm. So he's 
he's very much in touch with this. But I think the key, as you say, with if you're just using the Laravel's crypt um, cast, encrypted casts, that's going to obviously encrypt the data in the database, and it'll be right. so if anyone gets your database, all they're going to get is encrypted data. Good for your users. But you can't really do like if you, as you say, if you want to search that, you've got to pull everything out, you've got to decrypt it, and then you've got to do all that searching in in PHP. So the the blind indexes allow you to do pattern matching based on on data that is in the database and what you're wanting to search for. So that's like the key thing. But as you say, you have to be careful once it's encrypted. If you cycle, you know, when you cycle your keys, you have to make sure that you are updating all of your encrypted values as well. Otherwise, without the keys, you can't undo the locks. So, um, as you say. Just, just to be cautious in your approach there. If, you, if you're doing this, you know what you're doing, hopefully, um, and you know why you're doing it. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Very good. Next up, we have adding comments to correlate user code with SQL queries in Laravel. So the Laravel SQL commenter is another package by Spark. We should rename the, the package section to the Sparsy section on, on the podcast, mm-hmm. I think, because yep. it's I mostly Sparsy packages most of the time. Let's do uh, that. It's a, it allows you to add comments to SQL queries made by Laravel. It uses the SQL commenter um, I guess, plugin package um, to augment SQL statements about the code. So where you would run select star from users, you can um, add comments automatically into the package, which will inject the, the controller, the action that they came from, any other arbitrary data that you want to attach to those queries. And the package has a concept of a commenter class, which adds useful information to your queries, such as, as I said, the controller and the route information. Out of the box, it provides the controllers, routes, job, file, and current user commenters. And you can create your own custom commenter classes using the provided commenter interface for this package. So this is useful um, if you're logging your database queries in, you know, from MySQL. If you're logging slow queries and things like that, this will just help you a little bit be able to see, okay, well, I've got a slow query now the comment that's attached to that query, which will end up in your slow query log, will have, you know, the controller that it came from, um, the action mm-hmm. and things like that. So it just helps you narrow those things down. So it's a it's a very useful thing, especially if you're trying to track down, you know, you've got lots of queries running. You might have query scopes that are used in different places in your application. So it just helps you kind of narrow down where those things are happening. So definitely check this one out. Let's see, yeah, this useful package. I'll have to bookmark for later. Interesting. Okay, we've got some tutorials here and kind of going along with what we're talking about with uh, casting your values to be encrypted items. Um, if you did not know about casting, there is a tutorial out there uh, which has been written by Steve King and he's a relatively new member of the Laravel News team over here writing up some really, really good tutorials. And he talks about elo- eloquent attribute casting. So you may know that you can do casting like date time casting, right? You can say, okay, if this comes in, I want to do a date time thing. You may even know that you could do like array or JSON casting or something like that, which is really helpful, really useful. But there are some really powerful features that are enabled through casting. Some people really use them religiously all the time. They use them a lot and other people don't even know they exist. So in this tutorial, what Steve does is he walks through a few different examples of when you can use them, how you can use them, and most importantly, why you should be using them. So creates a brand new project and then also installs a a package by Jess Acha called Laravel Castable Data Transfer Object. So this is interesting too, because basically what it allows you to do is it allows you to take items and cast them to a DTO, a data Sorry, am I making that right? Transfer. Yeah, data transfer object. Thank you. Yeah, and so basically what you get is instead of just a 
uh, set of values in an array or something like that. You basically an object that you can pass around and it's typed and you know exactly what you're going to get when you get to, when you get that data transfer object. Um, so this is kind of something that's been getting a little bit more popular, I'd say, in the community as we as sort of we drift a little bit more to some of this type safety stuff with like PHP Stan and things like that uh, and Nuno coming on to Team Laravel. Uh, so he, he basically talks through, okay, how would you implement something like a data trans, uh, a data, I always, I always want to say data transport, it's data transfer, data transfer object. How would you do that with using Laravel's eloquent casting? And so he goes through this all and uh, does a great job explaining that. If you've not used Laravel's eloquent casts before, uh, it is a really, really cool feature and could probably save you a lot of time. So check that out. Great job writing that one up. Thanks, Steve. Mm, beautiful. I have, uh, I have been always deep in data transfer objects for months and I love them. How are you liking it? They're good. They're, um, especially when we've got structured data coming in from, so we've mm-hmm. got a, a spec that we're building against. So they're all automatically generated, but it means that when I'm actually using those data transfer objects in my code, I don't have to keep referring back to the docs or going to whatever else. I just yeah, have to exactly. sort of know roughly where I'm looking and then, um, you know, auto completion does the rest. It's like, I want this, 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 and you just like straight through the chain. So it's, it's very helpful mm-hmm. knowing, you know, rather than just having arrays, which, you know, we've done forever and ever, the arrays is just string keys or numeric keys. So you don't, you don't really know what's there and how to access it and typos happen and things like that. Whereas with the DTOs, you know that everything's going to be correct once it's into your application. So very, very um, useful. And the, and the package that Jess built is super useful as well. So check that out. Um, we spoke at the top of the show about Veep being the default front-end asset bundler for Laravel apps. Um, and, you know, it's it's for new applications. You don't have to use it. Um, but it's very quick and it's very useful and it's much, much nicer by all accounts than using the old Webpack-based Laravel mix. So here's a few tips and tricks to help you move, if you want, your Webpack configurations to Veep. First up, Laravel Shift released a free Laravel mix to Vite Converter. This is the easiest way that you're going to upgrade. Um, if you're following a fairly standard um, Webpack configuration, this will just do it for you. It will send the PR. It will tell you what to look for. If anything needs to be addressed, anything like that, it will do it all for you. Um, there's also the Laravel Vite migration guide, which is the, the official Laravel Vite plugin documentation. Christoph Rumpel wrote a tutorial on moving Laravel Webpack project to Vite. Frank van der Herten wrote a tutorial on making Vite and Valet play nicely together. And Kriegia has a tutorial on Laravel Vite with Bootstrap and SaaS. So these are all community projects and tutorials um, to help get you started. Definitely check that out. If like if you want a no-fuss way of dealing with it, Laravel Shift. If you want to get your hands dirty, then definitely check out some of the other articles in the migration guide that will get you on the right track. So thanks to everyone for all of your speedy release of all of that documentation. Yeah, I love that. We have like a couple of people in the community who are as soon as something's out, they're trying it right right off the bat. They're trying it and they're the ones who are going to run into any of the problems and then they're immediately mm-hmm. going to write it up. Right. Yeah. And so they're sort of like our community beta testers and they just take it, you know, they take the hits for us mm-hmm. so that we can we can uh, look to them to learn. Um, some of the the smooth they smooth over some of the rough patches like for example the specifically getting valet and Vite to play nice together so like if you have like an ssl cert if you got to like secure a particular site maybe you're using saml or something like that and you have to have a https endpoint or using oauth or whatever and you have mm-hmm. to locally you have to secure it 
Veet doesn't like that. And so Freak wrote up, well, here, here's how you can get these to play well all together, right? And so, yeah, I really appreciate them taking the time to kind of be the guinea pigs for this. And, um, and of course, always such valuable content from those folks. Okay, we've also got another item here, another tutorial from uh, Chris Fidal, but he's going to be talking about a package written by Aaron Francis. So let's talk about speeding up your CI builds with AirDrop. So let's be honest. I don't know that any of us as PHP developers really look forward to doing NPM install and then NPM run. I don't, it's like when it works great, it's great. You don't want to think about it, but it just works fine. Mm-hmm. But when it goes wrong, it feels like it goes horribly wrong. Yeah. And Chris is in the same boat. He's like, I'm on a mission to use Node.js the very least amount possible. Mm-hmm. Why? For the reason I just listed, but also because it slows down people's builds on Chipper CI, which is his project him and David Hemphill built together. And so a solution that he's been using is Laravel Airdrop. So you might ask yourself, what is Laravel Airdrop? Well, Apple tried to sue them for using Airdrop and they stuck to their guns. No, I'm just kidding. Laravel Airdrop is a tool that stores your built static assets. So this is a little bit like something we've talked about before, which is uh, Sam Carre, lasso, as he says it, lasso, wrangle your assets. But when you do CI uh, runs, Airdrop checks to see if your static assets have changed. If the assets have not changed, what Airdrop will do is it will download them from the location that you stored them in and put them into the correct place in your project. What that allows you to do largely is allows you to skip building your assets. No NPM install, no NPM run build, none of that stuff. It just says, give me the downloaded package of the uh, stuff I compiled last time. Boop, drop it in the right spot. There you go. Uh, If they have changed, it will intelligently use Node to build your static assets as usual. And then it will push them up to AirDrop so that the next person or the next process that runs it, it just pulls it down from where it's at. Pretty cool. So he goes through a tutorial for how to install it. It's really simple. You require Hammerstone slash AirDrop and then AirDrop install. You can configure it. You can tell AirDrop when to decide to rebuild static assets through these things that they have called triggers. So you can set it based on like the environment. So if you're in dev, always rebuild it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to go through the whole tutorial. The interesting part here is the drivers as well, which you can decide where AirDrop will store those static assets. So you can just use the file system driver, which will say, put them locally. You could say, use S3. But a really interesting one is the GitHub Actions driver. So if you're using GitHub Actions to run your tests, uh, this will just put them in GitHub Actions cache. And then the next time you go to run them, it will pull them down from there. So you don't have to put them in S3. You don't have to put them in any of those other places. You just say, hey, GitHub, can you cache that for me? Sure enough, GitHub will do it. And then the next time you run your tests, it pops them down from GitHub cache, drops in the correct location. No more having to run NPM install. No more having to run NPM run build in your product, uh, sorry, in your CI environment. So uh, again, that's, that's like the, that's the headlines, right? There's a tutorial who t- that kind of goes through, you know, how do you set up where the outputs go? How do you integrate your airdrop into your CI process? All of that stuff. Um, if you're interested in learning about that, certainly you can go check out the tutorial. Uh, Chris Fidal is a really great teacher. He's got cloudcasts, servers for hackers, you know, he's a great teacher. He's been teaching courses for a long yeah. time. So I reference um, I reference his service for hackers stuff all the time. Yeah, he's he's excellent. And that service for hackers has been all around for a long time and it's held up really well. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Well, folks, that's it. That's all I've got for us today. Uh, Wonderful. I think we're I think we're 
all set. So we want to give a big shout out to Honey Badger again. Thank you so much, Honey Badger, for sponsoring the show. Again, if you'd like to check them out, go to honeybadger.io and check out, is it honeybadger.io? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I thought. Honeybadger.io to check them out. If you'd like to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 171. Hit us up with a five-star rating on your podcatcher of choice. That would be awesome. And talk to us on Twitter at Michael Derrida, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News. And until next time, my friends, keep it, keep it mustachy. Mustachy. Sluggerific. You, like you don't like it. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye-bye. Stay out. Bye. Bye.